Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor Gura. Marler, we have ourselves a dandy for debates down south. Something that we have never talked about before officially, like to officially yeah. dig into it, and something that has been long overdue. The GOAT of SEC quarterbacks. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. I was honestly, I, I got like a healthy fear when you first brought it up. I did too. Okay, so because you, you were like, we should do goat, uh, like or the SEC uh, quarterback goat, and I was like, what? It's like Bloody Mary. You just don't say it. You don't say it with the lights off, Connor, because you're gonna get it from every angle on on Twitter and should, social media. Shouldn't say Bloody Mary anyway, but you know that's just that's, that's just my decision. The goal today is to figure out who is truly the best SEC quarterback of all time. Everybody, well, why is it Tua? <laughs> everybody that's listening to this has their own criteria. I'm sure. Our our, our focus is going to be to look at as many angles of this as possible and try and whittle whittle it down. Because if you first start coming up with a list of all time great SEC quarterbacks, it, it gets long in a hurry. Yeah, I mean it, it is something that I think that even when you just float around the idea, you think in your head, all right, yeah, there's probably like three, four, maybe five guys I'd really consider. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, this guy's been mentioned. Oh, this guy's been mentioned too. And then you look up and you realize that you have 12 names down. And yeah. all of which probably deserve a mention. And the reason that we're discussing this today, because this has been discussed before, plenty of sites have, have brought up this subject. But the reason that I wanted to dig into this today, if you look up anything related to GOAT discussion, anything like that, it doesn't have the modern context. It doesn't take into yeah. account the careers of Tua. It doesn't take into account the career of Joe Burrow, obviously. And this conversation within the SEC has just been fascinating, basically since the start of well, since the start of Tebow's rise. Every couple yeah. years, we have gotten a new wrinkle, a new point in time in which somebody has said, "You know what? I think this guy is the best quarterback of SEC." We've of never all time. seen anything like this before, right? and, and in a way, we haven't. And you could make that yeah. case for all of those different guys, for Tebow, for Cam, for Manziel, for, I mean, Aaron Murray, I realize he set the, the record the all-time. He's not necessarily going to be somebody that's the first thought, but he does have, you know, some of the cumulative statistics. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our guy, um, Aaron Taylor, who dubbed him the greatest SEC quarterback of all time. Multiple people quoted him on that in the uh, the Facebook pod group, which was amazing. Um, no, it, it's just, it's funny because... I was joking around with Allie last night, and I was like, this whole quarterback debate, it's like it's like Jurassic Park movies. Like I remember saying these words out loud every time I saw Tebow, Camp, Manziel, and then Burrow, and you're like, I've never seen anything like this. This is crazy. Who's like, the, no, it's, who's it's, the pterodactyl? Oh, A.J. McCarron. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Fair. because the hair and the wings on his chest. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Um, I mean, and he's not on this list, just so we're all He's clear. not. He's not, thankfully. But it's it's interesting, too, because, like, you guys know, like, how much I love getting into a deep dive of stats and getting into, like, just the nitty-gritty of, of being able to pull up different arguments for different stuff. And you could really twist this this argument for a number of people, depending on how you want to do it. And I expect many people are going to do that. I get that. I, oh, yeah. I yeah. fully understand. Tennessee fans, LSU fans, <laughs> Florida fans, namely. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame them. If this were a discussion about my favorite team, you know, I'd get protective of that of something like that too. When somebody tries yeah. to tell me that anybody but Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time, I just say you're wrong, and then I look the other way. Okay, so real quick, and I wanted to bring this up at the top of the show, and I didn't. 
Favorite moment of the MJ doc, which obviously ended last night. I'm admittedly biased, but the Horace quote is still all time. That's pretty good. About yeah. the Pistons. That's still going to take the cake. I still love the episode ending to, uh, yeah, it was episode seven, that minute on MJ, just like unfiltered. This is who I am. If you don't like it, it's probably because you never won anything. He breaks yep. down. That to me was, I have, as we were just talking about, never seen anything like never it. Seen it. Never it seen was that. cool seeing like the like the I think like Kennell brought it up this morning. He's like, there's a lot of stuff that we already kind of knew about, but I would have never expected him to kind of break down like that. You know, we're gonna look Especially back what on he was this. Talking about. We'll look back on this ten years down the road, twenty years down the road, and we'll look at that as as still a signature moment to understand Jordan's yeah. legacy because it's different. It's different now, and everybody's such an open book, and you feel like you you know LeBron's got his own his own show. You know, the barber shop. Yeah. Don't sue me for saying that, LeBron. I apologize. But, I mean, like, you see these athletes in such a different way. And some of these quarterbacks, you know, that we're going to talk about today have been in the national spotlight for so long. And they were in the national Mm -hmm. spotlight throughout their careers, some more so than than others. And they all kind of had different rises and different things that that we really came to appreciate about them. There is 12, in my opinion. 12 quarterbacks who are part of this this conversation. And there's going to be a couple people who are probably going to say this quarterback deserves to be on there, this one doesn't, whatever. Yeah. These were the 12 that, that I settled on. You can let me know if you if you disagree with this. this. I wish that this entire thing was a like a pill behind the engine because this has been my favorite thing we've I've ever watched you do. Really? Okay. Connor, the most polite. Well, you did get you did cross a line later that we'll discuss. <laughs> something you wrote in the Google Doc. I was like, this mother. But so I'm reading through the Google Doc, and usually it's like very... Like I don't get in the Google Doc when you're in the Google Doc because I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I don't want to mess anything up, and I, I don't want to like, I know how like structured and organized you are, and I'm the opposite, and so I get in the Google Doc, and it's like, it, I thought you must have been drinking when you wrote it, because you're like, this dude, nope, not having it. Was I? No, I, well, I doubt it, but either way, it was like, <laughs> it was so, it was so much more like, like not crass, probably isn't the right word, but it was just so like, like almost like sarcastically funny. It was awesome. It was awesome to watch until, like I said, until you crossed that line. But when we first brought it up, <laughs> that we were like, all right, who who is it? Like five, six? Because these don't have like a round number, five or six guys. And then I was like, yeah, well, we have to include so-and-so probably mm-hmm. and so-and-so. And to watch you add them to the list and then immediately just just <laughs> chop them off right away in the fashion you did was, oh, chef's kiss. Fantastic. That's what we're going to do right now. Because you can't look at all 12 of these quarterbacks in the same exact way. And there are a few qualifiers for this discussion that I think of, that, that I think you need to be able to make. And I think that it takes a few of these guys off the list. So here's a list of 12. Call it the dirty dozen, if you will. Joe Namath. Bama podcast, right? Got to start with Joe, with Joe Namath. Uh, Spurrier. Archie Manning. Pat Sullivan. Danny Werfel. Peyton Manning. Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Aaron Murray, Johnny Manziel, Tua Tungvaluwa, Joe Burrow. My, it's my fault that I made you include Archie, Sullivan, and and Spurrier. Like, I think you would have probably gotten to Spurrier. But I was like, well, they won a Heisman. And you're like, oh, did they? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to wipe those four off right now. Right now. No problem. And here's why. I can't say that Namath, Spurrier, Archie, Sullivan deserve it when Joe Namath threw for 1,000 yards and had double-digit touchdown passes once. Archie? Archie's great. 
Hall of Famer, did things that we had never seen before, all that. I get it. He's a career 53% passer with a career TDINT ratio of 31 to 40. Let me repeat well, that. Well, you know, Connor, back then, we were just out there just trying to throw the ball around. We weren't trying to do anything too fancy. That was decent, decent. Not quite math. I, th- I think I'm overvaluing some of my impressions lately. You're right. It's, I need this. Keep going. Workshop that. Spurrier, his best year as a college quarterback, 16 touchdowns in 10 games. Pat Sullivan. Okay? We're talking about, you know. Great hair. Great, great quarterback. Awesome. Awesome piece of Auburn history. I get it. His Heisman year, he had a quarterback rating of 127.8, and he had 66 rushing yards. To include those four guys with the rest of this bunch, from a statistical standpoint, it doesn't make sense. Now, I get it. And there are people who are saying the game was played differently 100%. Sure. We have asked quarterbacks to do so much more over the last 30 years. And to sit there and not, like like I said, they are all-time greats. Don't get me wrong, but we, if we we're talking about the best quarterback of all time, the last thing I want somebody to do to respond to what I just said is to throw out one of those stats because they're yeah, right. It's, it bothers me so much when people just argue based out of fandom or nostalgia. Right. And I, like, I've been there before. It's like, I mean, like, you grow up and you're like, I, that, I remember that guy was the best. He was the best player I've ever seen. And it's like, you know what? No, Jay Barker was not that great of a quarterback. Maybe you should have named your dog after Chris. <laughs> Joe Namath, like, we put this question out there on social media and, like, in the Facebook group almost instantly. And it's not, it's not one of those, like, hipster answers. It's just people, like, from that generation that are like, Fran Tarkenton, uh, Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler. And you really look at the numbers and you're like, like the, the number that jumped out about Namath, he had one season of over 1,000 yards passing at, at, and double-digit touchdowns. And he lost to Georgia Tech that year. Don't even get me started. But, I mean, he, he ended his NFL career even with like 70 less touchdowns to, to interceptions and still made the Hall of Fame. So let's not give a free pass to somebody just because, you know, our grandpappy said they were good. That's the thing that we need to, to remember. Obviously, it's, it's, you can't compare them directly but even if we're talking to some of these in terms of like relative what they were doing mm-hmm. within with with their competition, it still favors a lot of the modern guys. And from an efficiency yeah. standpoint, it still is well, very very different. Archie was also, and like Archie's the only one I would even think about making the argument for because of how much different he was as a player, and also how much he had to carry the load for that entire no team. No doubt. Yep. But if you're the third best quarterback in your own family, I mean, I, you know, that's your own fault, man. Got those good genes. People could say that. People could say that. Okay, the this is the thing that that I'm gonna say that's gonna upset a lot of people, and I know that I'm ready for it. Stats are important when we're discussing this. They they absolutely are. They're not everything. They are a part of the discussion. But if we are talking about the best quarterback in the history of the SEC, this individual conference, can we sit here and say? Yes, you can be that even if you didn't ever win the conference. For me, a prerequisite to being called the best SEC quarterback of all time is having won the SEC once. Just once. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not saying really knock out though. That knocks out Aaron Murray. And the mm. more the, the more the one that's gonna give me grief, the, that's gonna give me a lot of flack from listeners, is it knocks out Johnny Manziel. Now mm-hmm. I still probably like if if you I have no problem putting Manziel top four quarterback of SEC of all time. But if we're talking, we're just talking about number one today. That's the difference. We're not, this isn't necessarily a a ranking of 12 through one. And I understand that me saying that is going to come off as like, oh, I can't even include him 
in the top six. But if I'm ranking somebody number one, right. I need somebody that at least stood atop the SEC mountain and was clear and cut the 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 leader, the the guy who was dominating the conference yeah. for at least a year. So, I mean, here's the thing, Connor. I can go ahead and guarantee you right now we're going to talk – I'm going to talk way more about uh, like two through 12 than, than one just because the ADD and, you know, how I get. Regardless, you're right. You're right. And the number you threw out there, top four, that's spot on in my opinion. I, I said this morning I think he's either top five – probably maybe even top three quarterbacks of all time when probably. you look at the numbers he put up. And, and again, what's interesting about this is Brad Crawford wrote an article about this a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up, yeah. Well, I already did, so now you're just copying <laughs> me. But, um, so it's, it's like going through like the, the, like ranking like the best quarterbacks in SEC history, and each single one, as you get down to the top five, is like when he left the conference, he, he led the, the, his program history, his conference history, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff in this, this, and this. And it, it really is hard to go back and try to be fair and compare offenses or compare, you know, teams or whatever. The Manziel thing is crazy because – so he, he had just an incredible run that was super special because it came out of nowhere. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. like Cam Newton was a five-star out of high school. Tim Tebow was a five-star out of high school. Manziel was like a three-star kid. And Mac Brown was like, no, you can play defensive back. I don't want to deal with your problems. And yeah. then goes into becoming like having one of the greatest seasons of all time. And up until that point, like we really hadn't seen anything quite like that. We're putting up like the, like the numbers he put up in that offense, like averaging almost 400 yards a game against ranked teams. It was crazy. Set the SEC single season record for, for total offense. And I'm going to defend Mansell later. I, I, yeah. I'm not dismissing him for the rest of this conversation. But in terms of deciding number one, I am right. leaving him out of this argument. I am leaving Aaron Murray out of this argument as well because it is not just Touchdown passes, not all touchdown passes okay. are created equal, as we know. So instead of an Elite Eight or a Dirty Dozen, I narrowed it down to a Super Six. Sexy Six. Sexy Six. That's good. I like that. That's kind of weird. Let's stick yeah. with that. Okay. Um, that's six. Danny Werfel, Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Tua Tungabailoa, Joe Burrow. All In of that them. order, that's the end of the show. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I went in chronological order there. I, I did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, all of them check the following three boxes. They won at least one SEC title. They finished in the top two of the Heisman. And you could argue that the two who actually finished runner-up on this list, which was Peyton and then, of course, Tua, you could make a legitimate case that both of them should have won, something that we have talked about on Debates Down South before. And the third caveat, because, yes, stats aren't everything, but they are something. All six of those guys had a season in which they had 40-plus touchdowns, You have, if you include Peyton Manning's bowl stats. So those are the three things that I, yeah. that I say, okay, if you're going to be considered the best of all time that we have ever seen, those are the three boxes that I'm looking for, and then that's why I wanted to narrow it down to six to kind of cut the field in half. Because you're right, it ballooned in a hurry. Well, and it's, it's tough, too, because, like, and, and this is, I feel like I have to be like almost apologetic to different fan bases because these are all great quarterbacks. I mean, these are all no arguably the best quarterback in the history of SEC football. However, I think it's important to set, you know, a qualification like that because when you go through it, it's it's so easy like to just kind of move the goalpost on this and be like, well, I mean, how many games did he win? How many national titles did he win? How many conference titles? And all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that is the best and most fair overall assessment on how to, how to like grade these guys. And even with 25 years, uh, well, uh, a little bit less than that, it's two decades, two decades plus mm-hmm. separating the, the guys on that list. 
you're still seeing them hit those statistical metrics, you know, yeah. to be able to, to, to cross those hurdles. So I, I think that that is definitely a, a worthy criteria to judge those six on. Before we get into the rest of this, Marler, you have done a lot of Heisman stuff with our friends at Bet Online. Tell us just about what they are doing and if you have won any Peloton poker recently. Connor, I'm so glad you brought up the second part of that because I told you I took a little break. Decided to knock the rust off. What was Jordan's number? Uh, 23 or 45 or 9 for the Olympic teams. Of course you would do that. 23. Add two zeros on that. Won another tournament. Still got it. Still got it, kid. You want 230 um, bucks? 230 bucks. So... Anyway, get on over to betonline.ag today. We have been doing a lot of stuff uh, video-wise with um, going over team win totals and different bets. I was almost afraid to make it. I, was, I wanted to give you like a heads up beforehand because I know you came out with the article and we were probably going to disagree on most of our picks. Yeah. Because I think I picked Trevor Lawrence. But they do have the Heisman odds out right now. They do have the future bets out for which team is going to win the conference, which team is going to win or make the playoff, win the playoff, all the above. And they're starting to actually come out with game lines, which is – we're getting closer and closer to actually having football. We're almost 100 days from the original start date. Don't say original. Let's just, fingers crossed. Yeah, good point. Fingers crossed. Good point. So I will say, though, with COVID and everything like that, I mean, Bet Online. hopefully Allie's not listening, but BetOnline's probably been the best part of this entire quarantine. So get on over to BetOnline.ag today. There you go. You're Muffet Queso. Yeah, sorry about that. He's been a real baby. (laughs) What people said at the time, as I brought up before, it seems like every couple years in the SEC, we're asking this question. Who is the best SEC quarterback of all time? Does this new quarterback deserve to be number one on this list? Joe Burrow rewriting the record books kind of brought this discussion back to the forefront. After that national championship game, of course, everybody's talking about him having the best single season in college football history. Yahoo Sports. That's not up for debate. To me, that's an open and shut thing. If you look at the numbers, the competition, all those things, and I understand people are going to say, well, the talent around him was different than Cam. That's so stupid. Still, what more could you have wanted a quarterback to do than what Joe Burrow did? uh, So all the people that that were saying at least that, Yahoo Sports' Pete Thamel, uh, Bleacher Report's Adam Kramer, our good friend, Kegs and Eggs, uh, CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd, even Dan freaking Wolken was saying that Joe Burrow had the best single season ever. He got one right. And maybe most importantly, Brett Favre was saying that. And you know that a guy is good if even somebody who played college ball 30 years ago is like, yeah, this kid's, this is the best that, that we've ever seen. Because yeah. those are the those are the most likely people to be like, oh, I no. trust anyone, Andre anyone Ware. that supports that much copper fit. Like, yeah. I'm, like, yeah, I'm in for that. Um, so that, I mean, and anybody that's, that's going to sit here and debate the, the merits of Burrow, like, and say that it's just because he had so much talent around him. Like, I think that's ridiculous. Clyde that's Edwards, Alaire, Justin Jefferson weren't stud recruits. The offensive line, in my opinion, a little bit overrated. Burrow kind of made them look better than they really were. Really overrated. They were last in the SEC and in, in sacks allowed at one point. In 2018. Like late in the season. 2018, they struggled no, more I'm so. pretty sure it was last year. Oh, they were, they were, wow. Okay, that's... I'll, I'll look it up to you on the safe side. Because I, but I, was, cause I remember getting, like, really over the top. Like, I was like, they could not be the greatest team of all time if, if this offensive line is right. doing this. And then it was like, yeah, Chris, they played more games than anyone else. I was like, okay, good point. I think the, the realization that people came to after this 2019 season, and I, I definitely did, was that if Cam belongs in this conversation for best SEC quarterback of all time, so does Joe Burrow. I, I would... I'm not just saying this because... It's Cam, because Cam had 
one of the greatest seasons of all time. I would say before Burrow, he had the greatest season no of doubt. Yep. Uh, SC history. Like, what he was able to do, and they had so many close games that entire year, and, and he was able to just put that team on his back. But, yeah, that was up until what we saw Joe Burrow did. I, like, I would have argued for Tua and the season he had in 2018 up until I saw what Joe Burrow did. And you can make any excuse that you want to. The whole thing about, like, all the talent around him, sure. Hindsight's 2020 because they had 14 people taking on the draft and five first-rounders, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Tebow is is most likely going to be one or two in most everyone's lists. Let's not kid ourselves and think that he just had just a shallow end of talent pool around exactly. him in, in Gainesville. I mean, that's ridiculous. So I, I don't think that it's, – it's hard to debate which one had the better season kind of, I guess. But if you're talking about a career, Joe Burrow, I would have him way ahead of Cam. I probably it's only that one sample size to one year. It's weird though because if if you're if you're arguing for Cam ahead of Burrow in that spot, it's actually probably because of the fact that Cam only had the one season. And this is a point that I've made on here before. And the talent. It's yeah, the the talent as well. The talent as well for sure. The disparity on that side on that side is is obvious. But it it, it almost felt like because Burrow had the 2018 season that he did, where he was you know a decent quarterback but you know statistically speaking nothing to write home about and he had this kind of like feeling out process in his first year as a starter where obviously they win a new year six bowl cam didn't have that it's just one year that's all we had to judge him on but i think because both of these two guys there are there are certain people who are going to be like well they only played you know they only had one really good year so they should shouldn't even be considered i would argue right. that their their peaks were higher than anybody that we have seen play this position in the SEC, and that's why they deserve to be part of this. And here's the other part of that, Connor. If you're making the argument that they only played one year in the SEC, so they shouldn't be in the uh, in contention, keep in mind that Joe Burrow, let me check my notes here, started for two full seasons at quarterback. Yeah. So that doesn't make any, the people. There's people that actually have this opinion, and you're like, hey, listen, just because he didn't have the year he had this year in 2018. Or and only threw like sixteen touchdowns. That doesn't mean he wasn't a starter. It is weird to I, see that to that to see that thrown around, but it definitely adds to the the mystique of what Cam was and this this mm-hmm. shooting star that we that we consider him. This one year wonder where everybody was just fascinated with all things Cam, and it really kind of took over the sports world for a very brief period. So to uh, kind of find out what other people were saying, you know, I'm amazed we got through that so long without any shade thrown at Cam. That was good. He's, of you. he's so incredibly good. He's so incredibly good, and he deserved to win the national title. And when you, you know, honestly, what sold it for me is when we met Chizik and you brought up the the talent thing. Yeah. Only having two offensive players drafted around him. Um, you know, I I still have my opinion on why he went to Auburn. And I think I think he had a great career there. And one <laughs> season, and, and like, and what an incredible, memorable season that, that he was able to create. Let's move on. I found a bunch of goat articles for this. Um, the oh, one that you brought up earlier, uh, yeah, there's there's some, some bad ones here. The one you brought up earlier with Brad was the most sane one that I could find. And um, for Easily. those who don't know, you know, Brad, who used to work for SDS, you've probably read one of his stories on twenty four seven Sports. Brad is my guy for all things South Carolina. But Great beard, fu- tremendous beard, all time beard. Um, his top five was Werfel at five, Cam at four, Manzel at three, Peyton at two, Tebow at one. Keep in mind, he did this five years ago. So this is before Tua, this is before Burrow. That was the most sane list that I found looking around. It um, holds up better than almost any other article I read. The, I, who is allowed to write articles nowadays? No offense <laughs> to your profession, but they're, like, it kind of takes you back to the glory days of what Bleacher Report was before they became like 
Bleacher Report now, when it's just like, you want a job writing? Come on in here. That's what they used to do. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, anybody could do it. So speaking and, of that, and, yeah. <laughs> we gotta get Go to ahead. this. Um, this. This one from Bleacher Report that I found had Archie ranked ahead of Peyton, which, uh, all right, whatever. Had Peyton Bold. at seven and Archie at six. And the justification for that ranking, why Archie was at six, Bear Bryant said that Archie was the best that he had ever seen. Also of note, Bear Bryant Watch died. Bear Bryant died when Peyton Manning was six years old. So obviously you never saw Peyton. So why would you ever use that as like a basis of your argument for why Archie was better? And, and oh, by the way, this Bleacher Report had Joe Namath at number two. So oh, yeah. So obviously Bear Bryant's best quarterback ever, right? So then that why guy was clearly <laughs> under the age of seventy-four years old and was not very strong in his opinions, like. But again, that's the whole thing about nostalgia. Like you could, you can definitely make a case like, yeah, that guy. I we've all heard of Joe Namath, we've all heard of Archie Manning. Let's just open open up some of the pages to this book and read some of the stats and numbers that come along with it because it's not even close. Or go watch them on YouTube. That's what I did for, and that's what I really tried to do for a lot of these guys, for guys that I wasn't alive to, to see them play. It's all there. I mean, if you want highlights of Spurrier playing in Florida, they're there. I watched a 13-minute highlight clip of him specifically just at Florida before he got to the NFL, and, and you'll see it all. You want to see Archie that's running around all over the place? You can see it. it it's all there. So people are going to listen to this and say, well, you, you're just saying that because you never watched them. True, I... Sorry, my parents didn't meet I until didn't get 20 to see years him after. I live run a, a 4.940. My bad. Uh, okay, so this is maybe the most egregious of all. In July of 2016, the Tennessean, uh, they ran a poll for the best SEC player ever. Bracket-style voting, which can be a little bit all over the place, kind of a misnomer, not, not asking people to rank specifically. Right. All you need to know about this vote is how the semifinal and the finals went down. 76% voted for Johnny Manziel over Herschel in the semis as the best SEC player, not, not quarterback, obviously, best SEC player ever. That's bad. Even worse, in the finals, 95% of the voters gave Manziel the nod over Bo. What? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that because it's like, well, yeah, maybe they just thought it was for quarterbacks. She's like, no, 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 we put them up against the top two players maybe in the history of college football. Huh. They were like, no, you got it wrong twice. You they got it wrong twice. They had thousands and thousands of votes, and in the story, they actually were, like, arguing with the results of the poll. They're like, crap, like, I can't believe we did this. This is the result, really. We trusted you guys. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty bad, but I will say this, because I, I saw this in the notes, and it kind of led me to think, I was like, there has to be some reason. Because I remember the Manziel thing was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. It was 2016, I believe. So, I mean, we're talking two, two and a half full years after he had left A&M. Right. So that, that part was definitely definitely surprising to me. But still, like when that happened in the moment, it, or those two years in a row, it was, it was crazy to watch. And, and you talk about a guy that had, what is it here? He had 93 total touchdowns in just 26 games as a starting quarterback. It's averaging three and a half touchdowns a game. It's, it's crazy. I, I'm not going to get into the Herschel and Bo thing with them. Um, this, I, that, that, they set you up for just a, a softball there, and you still missed it. I mean, 95%. Oh. 95%. That's, that's weird. That's Who's balanced. a better coach, Derek Mason or Bear Bryant? <laughs> Honestly. I don't, know. Could, I don't know if Bear Bryant could win in, in today's college football <laughs> landscape. He couldn't recruit.
We've talked about this before, but we need to revisit it. The college football 150 list that ESPN came up with last year. It was woof, 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 bark, bark. The SEC quarterbacks who made the cut, there were five. Peyton came in at number 21 overall. Archie, of course, was the second SEC quarterback listed at number 50 overall. Tim Tebow, as we have said, listed at number 76 overall. Steve Spurrier listed at number 91 overall, and Cam, for his one season, was listed at number 135 overall. There's no Danny Werfel. There's no Johnny Manziel. There's no Tua. There's no Joe Burrow. <sighs> Why not? I'm, I'm at some – the Tua should not have been in there. You, it, If there's 150 players, I have a hard time not understanding that, I don't know, a majority of the Heisman quarterbacks especially would be on that list. <sighs> Tebow being at 76 is... It's a crime. I, I, when Tony Kornheiser said that thing about, I don't know who Darren McFadden is, it should be to Brady Quinn, that is now removed off the pedestal, off the number one ranking of all time for the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, because that is the most egregious and, and wrong opinion I've ever heard. Goes a three-time All-American. 76? Goes a three-time All-American, won two national championships... During a, point, them. Uh, during a point during a point when the SEC was a, a freaking gauntlet, and they like sit here and say, "Oh my gosh, I we I still don't understand what they were doing with that list because they're trying to bring it into to context here, and they're trying to say like, oh, you know, it's it's all about relative competition." Man, I don't need to hear. I don't. I don't need. If you're gonna tell me that Roger Staubach is the best college quarterback of all time with his 18 total touchdown passes. Sorry, just get out. Just get out. Career win record 16, 10, and 1. Best quarterback league, league course was ever seen. And that's a, we're on the same page today. This is good. This is good. This has never happened. How many sentences do you think it took for, uh, for ESPN to write in the Archie description um, b- before they praised his crazy legs? Okay, so I usually make fun of this like, oh, crazy legs, McGee. Yep. If you if like if you watch the the tape of him playing it like that's like honestly the best way to describe him. I don't think they his are. body knew where he was supposed to be going. He had he was like a legs. Mr. Potato Head that somebody put together incorrectly. He's just running around like like there's parts of his body flying all over the place. It, but somehow it worked. That was in the first sentence, by the way, of the description. What along with his aw shucks smile, which as we know, pretty important when we're judging when we're judging quarterbacks all time. Absolutely. Um, oh, another thing. So I wasn't necessarily mad at where Peyton was ranked overall. You want to put him as your number one SEC quarterback? Totally fine. Number 21 overall on this list. But the, the, the justification for his ranking was just weird. They're like, Peyton never beat Florida, but Bear Bryant never beat Notre Dame, and things worked out all right for him. It's like, Who, wait, What is happening? What? Who's writing this? <laughs> um, they, didn't have, they didn't have writers listed under any of these, and with good reason. Good move, Because yeah. they would have gotten dragged dragged yeah without a doubt well i mean they and as they ship the tebow thing again is is by far the most egregious one on here but also i think Bo and herschel ended up one and two right on the list i think they were i think they were or like one and three no or no no, no. Like jim that. brown was one that's right that's right they were two and three i the, the peyton thing he's a fantastic quarterback i just espn out of all people and media outlets and, and whatever else the hype train that they got rolling for a decade on Tim Tebow, like, yeah. oh, anyway. Archie at number two is insanity. Insanity. For number number two for among SEC quarterbacks on this list. Yeah. Don't get that. Don't get that at all. Um, so the, there is, 
we, we're going to talk, um, you know, specifically about the cases for, for each guy. But I, I think if anybody is saying that one of our six quarterbacks, our super six, does not deserve to be considered the best SEC quarterback of all time, they're going to bring up one of these points. Every one of these quarterbacks has a very specific knock against them. Oh, my God. You guys should see how lengthy the knock, the one knock on Tua is that Connor put in I'll explain here. it. I'll explain it. Peyton, obviously, couldn't beat Florida, couldn't get over the hump to win a national championship. We've talked about that a lot. Danny Werfel, Spurrier system boosted him. The surroundings really helped him out a lot. Uh, Tebow wasn't an elite passer. Cam only had the one season. Uh, Burrow, only one season of dominance and then one season as a decent QB. And then Tua, so the, the, the knock against Tua, it's, it's probably, it's one of two things, and I went with the other. Um, it's either the durability thing, the fact that he had two seasons. They ain't ever going to make it. <laughs> if you want to go with that, all right, fine. I went with the, the more popular knock against Tua being that he wasn't elite against elite defenses. Which I got so mad reading that. So Marler put in all caps. probably right. <laughs> Marler put in all caps in the notes. That's debatable, Connor. Um, I didn't say it like that. No, like what? If, very, like very low, off? low, raspy voice. I could tell. I could definitely tell. Like MJ with the cigar. Um, there you go. So I broke down the top twenty uh, defense numbers. What did two do? Hold on, hold on. Before you get into this, because this is this is why I've never understood this about the two thing. Because here's my take on on why that's the knock on him is it's not even Bama's strength of schedule. It's the fact that. How he looked against Georgia in the SEC championship game when mm-hmm. they were losing, and he got injured in that game, or like he re-aggravated his injury and had to come out of the game. It was bad before it. And the pick six against Clemson, and that's it. Because, like, I, I think if you look at every game, like, we're going to go into this. No one's ever bringing up what he did at LSU. People only bring up what happened, like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously he doesn't play that well against elite competition. Elite competition. Like, his, his numbers against Clemson weren't bad. That game was over. No, they they weren't as bad. It was more of like the cumulative numbers were not as bad. It was more about what he was doing in the the short situations where it's like and, no, and a lot I don't of time the ball that was game, take, Connor, because I was drunk. So <laughs> a lot of the time the ball was taken out of his hands too. In that, yeah. I would I would argue, but yeah, the numbers maybe not as bad as some would remember. The average because he he only faced top twenty defenses in twenty eighteen. Didn't face a single top twenty defense in twenty nineteen. Two top thirty. Bama ain't played nobody. Am I right? Oh my God. Um, no, but he, so I, I would say that there was there was at least a drop off, and understandably so when you're facing top twenty defenses. Tua, what he was doing was at such an elite level, especially throughout the 2018 season, where we're all of a sudden like, we're like this this is something that we have never seen before, and he is just yeah, throwing touchdown passes on the first play of the game, and you know the game's over by the end of the first quarter, all those different things. Against top 20 defenses, and this is just talking about the 2018 season, as a starter, he averaged 62% passer, 248 yards per game, 8.1 yards per attempt, 2.2 touchdowns, 1.2 interceptions. So, like, not bad. Okay, so here's the deal. I would not have Tua as my number one overall SEC quarterback ever, so we don't, like, need to get super into this argument. But here's what – here's – this is not me trying to defend Tua as someone that's admittedly a Bama fan – if we're looking at this logically, and we're looking at the top 20 defenses, Mississippi State was the number one overall defense in the country, correct? Uh, I think Clemson finished number one, and Mississippi State was number two if I'm, in 2018. Okay, so that's pretty strong, pretty strong yeah. company there. But the big thing is, like, no one brings up the Mississippi State game ever. They always bring up the Georgia game. 
And the Georgia game, he was 10 of 25. He was awful. Threw a pick, like very uncharacteristic. Threw two picks. He's very uncharacteristic for most of the game. He was facing Kirby Smart, who was the defensive coordinator under Nick Saban for nine years. So I just, I think that like, again, I'm not making an excuse for him because I think he should be the the number one overall SEC quarterback of all time because I don't think he is. I just think that for whatever reason, people really, really love to, to pick him apart for stuff. And it's like, I mean, there's a lot of numbers. We're not going to get into it, okay? Because I'm just going to get mad. Two is, two is such a tough thing to really dissect because, yes, he won a national championship and was a crucial part of that team. Uh, obviously, they don't win a national championship without his heroics in that game. So there are, there are people who are going to say, like, well, he doesn't deserve full credit for that national championship because Jalen Hurts was the starter for that entire year and all that right. stuff. And people people do want to break to it down. But at the end of the day, he's still the most efficient quarterback in SEC history. That Here's still matters. Tua, I said this in December, and it pissed me off then. And, and I think, like, you say what you want to about the competition or the talent he had around him, whatever. Every other person on this list, you could argue, had a lot of talent. Maybe not as good as Jerry Judy. But that's your own problem. Just recruit better. Anyway, <laughs> the thing with Tua, when you look at his numbers in a career, as in, like, for his entire career, which was cut short like pretty, pretty badly, I would say, also, we didn't even talk about the Auburn team that was in the top 20 defense that he just lit up for six touchdowns. Anyway, Tua had, he finished his career with the number one, I think he had the highest completion percentage of all time or the or passer rating in SEC history. Uh, if it's it was, not, it's very close. Right. I think he, he, had, he was supposed to have the number one overall in NCAA history, but he came like one snap short right, right. of like, right, like total snaps you need to have that. He was 22-2 and two as a starter. He finished seventh overall in SC history in passing touchdowns with 87 to only 11 interceptions. He finished first in NCAA history with touchdowns per pass ratio at like 12.1. And he finished ninth in SC history in total touchdowns with 96. He did that in 24 starts and only attempting 41 passes in the fourth quarter in his entire career. I realize it's easy to look back and say this. If... Tua and Alabama had won one at all in 2018. I think we're talking about him as the best SEC quarterback of all time. I realize that's a big yeah, result dude. to flip. That was a very lopsided game. Um, but even if you just leave all things the same as what happened in 2019 where he goes down and he gets hurt, I think there's a legitimate case to be made just because we would be talking about that 2018 season as one yeah. of the best individual seasons of all time. LSU probably still, if you leave all things neutral, LSU would have had a chance LSU. to have trump that because of the competition that they faced, of course. But I think they definitely would have trumped it. Too. Yeah, I, I think it's completely fair to say. But yeah, that's but Tua, in my opinion, still belongs in this conversation. the The efficiency numbers are ridiculous, and while that is the, in my opinion, the biggest knock against him was that there was a, a yeah. drop off against that top twenty competition. Sometimes his decision making struggled. He still put up numbers that would have trumped trumped any, anybody from the 1960s, 1970s era as well. And if, if we're being honest, too, I probably wouldn't have had him in my top five. Interesting. Oh, no. that's the surprise. Did you guys day. hear that? <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, moving on. All right, worst take you can have about this debate. You already know where I'm going with this. It's claiming that anyone before the Werfel slash Manning eras were the best SEC quarterbacks of all time. <sighs> If you watch Archie Manning and tell me that he's better than Johnny Manziel, just leave. Just leave. Nobody, nobody is taking peak Archie over peak Manziel. I'm sorry. You're just, you're just not. As I said, 
if you're telling me that there are 75 players in the history of this sport who have been better than Tim Tebow, you're high. I, Say it I, again, I, Connor. You're, you're high. high. There's there's no there's no possible way. Did no. they have bigger hurdles to overcome? Yes, no doubt, no doubt. You're, you're like t- they weren't as good of athletes. Well, I, I mean, just the the simple thing like, okay, players today, they can come to the sideline. If you throw an interception, let's say Joe Burrow throws an interception. As soon as he gets to the bench, he's got a tablet showing him exactly what he did wrong. Yeah. Joe Namath didn't obviously have, you know, the luxuries of being able to have that. You're still, it's still an uphill battle to become, you know, a really good established player. And there are certain things that, yeah, you don't have the strength and conditioning programs. You can't do this. That obviously impacts your competition as well. And that needs to be part I- of it. Here's, listen, Bear Bryant used to say this. He said, there's one of the reasons he didn't pass the ball because there's only two things that can happen, and one of them's bad. And that's funny and all that kind of stuff, sure. But if that is the attitude of the coach of what's supposedly one of the greatest quarterbacks, I mean, come on. It's a different time. It was a different time. It would be like saying, well, you know, and, 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 and when people try and say that it's, it's relative to the era or how they dominated that specific time frame, Nobody would they be didn't. like, nobody would be like. Well, George Mikan had it tougher than Michael Jordan. Therefore, George Mikan is better than Michael Jordan. Like, no, I don't no. know who George Mikan is. I'll be honest. Exactly. There we go. Um, he is exactly who you think he is. If you're picturing a tall white guy who used to made famous the Mikan drill, which is putting the, the basketball right off the glass and just practicing that little oh, backcourt shot, because he's he's probably like six five and taller than everybody else on the court. Right. Well, and real quick again, just to support your uh, your argument here. R.G. Manning had 31 total passing touchdowns and 40 interceptions in his career. So this should not be that big of a surprise. It's not. It's not. Just watch the film. Go back and watch watch the YouTube clips. Is peak Joe Namath running away from Miles Garrett? No. Is, no. is peak Spurrier escaping Devin White? No. No, 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 no. Like I said, I watched the Spurrier highlight tape where that was 13 minutes long. He threw the ball more than 30 yards one time. One time, he could be an How all-time far out great of player. Was it? Um, it was it was right on target, right in the bread basket. Maybe somebody on that Florida sideline should have been like, "Hey, this thing could work if we stretch the field." You never know. You never know. Quite down over there, communist. The forward pass will never work. <sighs> Needless to say, it did. Um, but here's where here's the kicker for me. Yeah, the first black player in SEC history was Nate Northington at Kentucky, 1967. Bear Bryant's team was beat like a drum against USC in 1970. That USC team that was mixed race, they lost by, I think, 21 points. That I, I know what they lost by. Sam Bam Cunningham, who was from Alabama, had 135 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Bear Bryant's all-white Alabama team. This finally was what got momentum going for integration in the mm-hmm. SEC. Why do I bring that up? Because you're out of your damn mind. If you think that I'm going to declare someone the best QB in conference history who played with segregated teams, it's ignoring everything to just erase how 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 different the game was with African American players. Yeah. Once that was incorporated into the game, you mean to tell me like in the last 50 years that football has just stayed exactly the same? That's not the case at all. At all. And here's the deal: like without you hear, like anyone hearing this, it's strictly in terms of race. The other way, like the, I think the most logical way to look at it is, why are we trying to pick, like the greatest player of all time from an era where not everyone's included? It'd be the same way as being like, you know what, all those Yale national championships because we were playing in a smaller pool of of not like the same competition. We should we should validate all those. No, 
I mean, like, like the it's it's one thing to talk about like the athletes today and and how, but yeah, man, you're spot on with this. You're absolutely spot on with this because it's 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 completely unfair. And if it's the same way we look at stuff with like, well, you know what? I don't take Minnesota being that good. I don't take that like to heart as much because they're in the Big Ten and they don't play the same kind of competition. They weren't playing any great level of competition at all back then. Any argument that that makes the case, in my opinion, if you're going to try and sit here and tell me that that Archie Manning playing against all white players in the SEC or, or something like that, well, bleep it. What? Connor said a cuss word. I'm sorry. Will, ble- holy, will bleep that too. I cannot believe you said a cuss word. I've never heard you say that ever. Now listen, you do need to wash your mouth out with soap because what you said about Bear Bryant. Regardless. Um, yeah, I think everything you said, and I've never said this, like, this far into our notes, everything you said is spot on. All right, and so if, so uh, how does this work? i got to tell Will, 4504, 4505, yeah. you got to do like 25 that. push-ups and then tell your mom you said the S word, and then, and then yeah, you have to write down your, been, your time code. It's been a hot minute. Um, proud of you. <laughs> one other thing that I want to bring up with that, um, just a little bit more perspective on that. It's it'd be one thing I think too if they were if they were efficient if that's what we're talking about. And and I didn't want to make this just all about ripping on old quarterbacks because they were very good. Yeah. Like, there were a lot. There was a reason that we decorated and we celebrated them, and we still talk about them 50 years later. That's the goal for all of these current quarterbacks. If we're still talking about them 50 years later, they've done something right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like throwing for significantly lower percentages when they're not even throwing deep. I mean, Burrow's worst percentage in a game in 2019 was 63%. Spurrier never even hit that mark in a season. If you want to look at just November on from Burrow, he had 197 completions. Joe Namath in his entire Alabama career had 203 completions, and those were against all white guys. I'm just saying. See, and like, so again, like leaving like the race part out of it, even for this part of the argument, we we do talk about like Tommy Frazier. I would say Tommy Frazier is a top 10 quarterback in the history of college football. I think there's the, absolutely a case to be made for that. Yep. He was an incredible, incredible quarterback and at running the option. And that's what they did in that offense in Nebraska in the mid 90s. Now, if, if we're going to say like, well, you know, like, you know, it was different back then. They ran the ball more. Like Archie, Archie Manning ran the ball a lot, and Joe Namath, he did things with his legs, sure, absolutely. But we don't talk about them because they're like because of their legs. People talk about them like they changed the game forever with the way they threw the football. Like no, they didn't. No, they didn't. They were like slightly above average at it compared to everyone else. Joe Burrow changed the game. We're gonna yeah, look Joe back. Joe Namath was left-handed. He didn't even find that out until like <laughs> he was like 23 years old. <laughs> The thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this was that I get fired enough. I get fired up enough to want to cuss. Um, no, yeah, right. <laughs> There's uh, besides the you know the whole obvious like lopsided modern comps to, compared to guys from the '60s and '70s. I always forget about Danny Werfel. I always yeah. do. And here's uh, the instance in which my my mind sort of was like, I need to I need to give him more credit than what I had previously been giving him. Um, a few months ago, Ari Wasserman, who covers Ohio State for The Athletic, he gave his top five quarterbacks in no particular order, but his list was Tebow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Cam Newton, Vince Young, Joe Burrow. And I said that was the best five that I had seen somebody come up with to that point. Um, and some guy, the like the top, the first comment that I got on that was, uh, Werfel should be number one. And we, we get stuff like this like all the time. I mean, this guy had a Florida picture in his avatar. I'm blanking on who it was. But we get people that are arguing in favor of their team yeah. all the time. It's nothing new. And I get it. I, I totally understand. 
I think to myself, yeah, right. Like, come on, like, let's, let's get over yourself. Then I started thinking about it and I started looking back and I'm like, you know what? I did not give him enough credit. And there are a few reasons why. One of yeah. which being the fact that I was six when he played his last game. I've said on this podcast before, the first quarterback I ever remember thinking was a really, really good college quarterback was Peyton Manning. Manning, obviously, one year after after the fact. That's such a good point, though, because because they played at the same time. And, and Werfel won a Heisman, and he's still almost like the afterthought behind Manning. Go ahead, my bad. And and that's and to be honest, like Peyton announcing that he was returning for school was probably what me as a as a six year old at the time was like, oh. This is this is a really big deal. Maybe maybe college football has something that's like worth following for me, who is yeah. just all into to basketball and baseball at that point. Um, so there there are a few things that that work against Werfel, and um, obviously there's the NFL stuff. He had nowhere near the NFL mm. career of Peyton. The surroundings, the stuff that I brought up earlier, playing in Spurrier's system, the receivers that he had around him as well, Ike Hilliard, Rito Anthony, Jacquez Green. And a certain Jack Jackson, a certain good friend of ours. I called Doring on Friday, by the way. I didn't tell you this. Yeah. Um, I called him on Friday and like basically like I wanted to pick his brain about like, look, I, as somebody who didn't see Werfel play, I've only just watched highlights. I just oh, I he missed out, man. I, I mean, I just spent like, you know, 10, 15 minutes like watching, uh, you know, a highlight video. And I've seen clips in the past, obviously. But I was like, are my are my, you know, Am, am I underrating him? It, you know, if you're ranking these quarterbacks yeah. all time, does he belong in this conversation? Was essentially what Without I wanted Doring to say. Because if he says no, then that says it all right there. Now, obviously, right. like Doring's going to go to bat for his guy, and, and he does. But he said the thing that people sort of overlook with him is what he did downfield. And his accuracy on throws 10, 20 yards downfield really hold up true. And right. the amazing thing that I didn't realize until looking back on this, besides the, you know, the fact second all time and touchdown passes in SEC history, you know, the four SEC championships, even though he was only a starter in three, whatever, all that stuff. The guy had two seasons in which he had 10 yards per attempt. Oh, that's the God. We are, I don't, we've never been on the same page this much because that, that wasn't even a stat then that was never a yep. stat before him. And it should have been. Because since then, think of all the the, That's the like modern one of the first offenses. things we talk about. Yeah, one of the first things we talk about when it comes to efficiency for a quarterback and what really is going to show you. All right, are their numbers inflated because they're throwing a billion times a game, or are they actually just good and they're able to locate, get the ball downfield? Only two Power Five players in college football history since then, since Werfel left Florida after the 1996 season, have done this. Do you know who they are? Uh, wait. It's it's over ten twice. Ten yards per attempt in two different seasons. A lot of people have done it at least. I know once. two is one of them. Two is one of them. Um, I mean Mac Jones led the country in yards per <laughs> attempt last year, but it's fun. Um, I oh, let me. I mean, I I don't. I probably do know. It's not Manziel. Manziel's like eight point one. It's not Manziel. Um, close know, though. Tell me. Oh, hold on. Wait. We mean close. Oh no, just tell me. Baker Mayfield. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Think about that, though, of how good yeah. passing offenses have been in the last two decades. And those two guys are the only ones who have matched the efficiency where, if you remember, you know, Terry Dean was was kind of trading off with him as the starter those first couple Never of years a little bit. Never quite made sense. But, like, once it was really – the once the job really belonged to Werfel those last two years, like, dude took off and he won a Heisman Trophy and, you know, like, loses – 
loses two, one regular season game in those final two years, which was the, the loss to Florida State, and he avenges it in the national championship, lost to the 1995 Nebraska team, which one is of the arguably teams ever. probably the, one of the two or three greatest teams of all time by any stretch of the imagination. Werfel did everything. Like, he's yeah, not physically it's, talented it's, in the same way, but like, I needed to give him more love. He's like, if Rex Grossman went to church camp, that's Danny Werfel. They, they have the same smooth, effortless, like, just like, like delivery when they throw the ball. It's, it's, he was so much fun to watch, and he's like such a good person, too. When I did that whole thing about like the greatest teams that never won a championship, and I, I talked to Doring as well, and we talked about the 95 team at Florida, and people forget about that. I think it's some, like, it's one of the worst parts about how we are as fans is that if you don't win at all, it's you, your entire team season, all that kind of stuff is so quickly forgotten sometimes. Yep. Um, and that 95 team, I remember telling you, I was looking up like the stats, and it's literally online, it's like Xerox sheets of paper that people like wrote in. And that's the first time they ever had the yards per attempt. Shout out to our producer, Will, who went back and looked up the yards per attempt for Archie Manning. Uh, that somebody, I guess, like recalculated. It was like 5.1 yards per attempt. Mm. It's not great. Regardless, what Werfel was able to do, like I would, the knock on him wouldn't be the talent he had around him. The knock on him was he threw 42 interceptions over his career. He had, he had double-digit interceptions, I think, three times? I think he had, did he have 13? that junior year and then his Heisman season, his numbers actually went down a little bit, still a little bit more of like the, right. the career accomplishment. And we've, we've set our piece on that before. We're not fans yeah. of that, but, but still. We, we I mean, talk about Peyton in such like high regard and they played against each other at the same time. And one of them won a Heisman and beat the other one repeatedly. Yeah. I and mean, that 95 game wasn't even close. And you know, like the, the one the one knock I'll have on on those guys like like Peyton and and Werfel because they were ahead of their time with like the, the way those offenses ran, especially at Spurrier. But you talk about like, and this is probably some recency bias. You talk about Tua and Burrow and the level of efficiency they had. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this because every single person on this list besides Tim Tebow who had 16 career interceptions, right? Every single player on this list, Manziel, Peyton, Werfel, and Murray, all had more interceptions throughout their career than Tua and Burrow combined. Wow. It's goodness. Yeah. yeah. That's why they deserve to be part of this. And we're not just, it's not just recency bias. I need to, I need to, I can't stress that enough that it's not just, yeah. oh yeah, we saw these guys do really good things in the last couple of years. Therefore we need to put them in this conversation. No, I think, and I, this is that thing I keep trying to bring up and it's, it's so perfectly like, like it's such a perfect comparison when you look at the actual rankings themselves of where the quarterbacks finish their careers. Peyton Manning was the fourth. He finished fourth all time in the SEC in passing touchdowns with 89. Mm-hmm. Tebow finished fifth with 88. They, I mean, those are guys that started for three years. Tua finished right behind him with 87. Burrow, the one-year starter that everyone tries to talk about, he finished 14th all time in the SEC with 76 touchdowns. Jesus. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. And Werfel leaves his career, of course, as the all-time SEC leader in touchdown passes, which... Take that for what it is. It took, uh, it took what, 17 years for Aaron Murray to, to get to that point, which that is that is an impressive thing to, to be yeah. able to do. All right. Where does Marler stand on this debate? Okay. you. I mean, mine's a little bit long-winded, so if you want to go first. Because I went in several directions for this, and Tua was never a part of it. Peyton really wasn't a part of it because I, I feel like Peyton had an incredible career. Wait, and I want to I go first. Not, no, I'm just yeah, kidding. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so his 95 season, 
Peyton ranks in the top five in in passing touchdowns, like I just said, 89 total t- passing touchdowns and 33 interceptions. He did have du- double-digit interceptions twice. Never won the big game, but he came. That 95 team was incredible, and they just lost. They ran into a buzzsaw with uh, with Florida. And the the I was trying to think the 96 team, obviously the same thing. He had one SEC title. I don't think he's in my top three, and I hate to say it to Vol mm. fans because I know he put up incredible numbers. He had an incredible career. But the reason he had an incredible career is because, for whatever reason, people just really love Peyton Manning. And it, 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 I think people show him more like adoration than they do a guy like Werfel, which makes no sense for all the reasons we just listed. And the biggest thing I would like the knock on Peyton would be, when you look at his numbers, and I said this when we talked about the Heisman debate, it wasn't like he was putting up these crazy numbers and they were just pulling him and playing the backups late in the second half of games or the fourth quarter of games. He had... 1,381 career pass attempts. 1,381. Again, maybe this is recency bias, but you look at guys like Tua, Burrow, and Manziel, who I would have two of those guys ahead of him. Tua had 684 career pass attempts. Burrow had 906, and Manziel had 863. You think about what those guys were able to accomplish with so much less time mm-hmm. or so much, so much less attempts and what they were doing. So... I honestly, I thought about putting Manziel up there at number one because obviously Tebow is in contention for one or two, right? Manziel, I brought up touchdowns earlier where he had 93 touchdowns in 26 career games. That's incredible. Three and a half touchdowns per game. However, when you look at what he did against ranked competition, 2012, his Heisman season, he had four total passing touchdowns against ranked teams. Also had four interceptions. Remember when I said how he hadn't thrown a touchdown pass on national TV until the Bama yeah. game, which is crazy. Um, so you have you have that, and then also he finished like he before Burrow. He finished, I think, with the top two seasons for um, completion percentage. People forget he had a career sixty-eight point. Uh, it was like sixty-nine point eight. Nice career completion percentage. Exactly. Of course he did. Um, two incredible seasons back to back. Put up great numbers. Fine. He falls short for me because of what he was not able to do against ranked teams over the course of his two seasons. We all know the big one he had against Bama, but he did fall short several times. LSU, man. I don't know what happened to him against LSU. So that brings me to two final people, and that is Joe Burrow and Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow has been the obvious answer for, like, forever, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Um, He has how many total touchdowns in his career? Like 145 the 2007 season it was like that's the first time I feel like I was like jaw dropped in awe of like what like what is this? Mm-hmm. How do how do you even put up those kind of numbers? I tried to dissect all of the ways he wouldn't have beaten out Burrow. Like maybe he was running the score late. I, I don't know. He ended his career with I mean we all know he had he had two national championships. He won the Heisman Trophy, all that stuff. He was ten and three versus ranked teams. He was seven and two versus the top ten. Here's where I think that's a little bit overrated. When you look at his numbers, especially from a passing standpoint, take out that last game against Cincinnati in the bowl game where they just put him on on display for the entire four quarters. Took a machete to him, yeah. For real. Uh, He only had, do you know how many many 300-yard passing games he had against ranked teams in his career? I'm going to say one. Zero. Wow. That bowl game, he was he threw for 482 yards, the most he ever had. He never threw for over 300 yards against any ranked opponent okay. in his entire career. He did have five games throughout his career that he had a total of 300 yards or more, which is great. Also, 
kept took care of the football. Uh, finished his career against ranked teams with 41 total touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, I think it was 28 total pass touchdowns versus six interceptions. All of those things. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the history of SEC football. There it is. Okay. I and I I'm not like I know what Tebow was able to do, and it was so much fun watching him. And we we literally had never seen anything like that. We'd never seen anything like that. The stuff that Joe Burrow was able to do in his short amount of time, and, and I'm gonna most of it's gonna be from last season, but 25 and three is a starter. 25 and three is a starter. 11 and one. I'm sorry, 12 and two against ranked teams. 12 and two. 11 and one against top 10 teams. The only loss was to the number one team in the country at the time in Alabama. 11 and one in those games. Against top 10 competition in his career, he was 11-1 with a 66.3% completion percentage, averaged 329.2 yards passing per game, 9.3 yards per attempt, and had 32 touchdowns to four interceptions. Joe Burrow didn't, besides the Florida game in 2018, he didn't make mistakes. He, he, he was so good, and we didn't really notice it, I feel like, in 2018, which is our own fault. He was putting drum for him a little bit, a little bit. You had you made a comment about the one throw he had against. No, come on. No one else was saying it. I mean, regardless, yeah, you did bang the drum for him, but that's that's not his fault, and we shouldn't discount his career or his legacy or where he should rank because we didn't give him enough credit in 2018 for him having 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. Oh, by the way, goes five and one against ranked teams that year. Yeah. There you go. I almost. Oh, hold on, real quick. 14 300 yard passing games last season alone. And there you go. I almost went with Burrow. I really, really did. Thank God you didn't. I almost did. Um, here's the one thing that, that prevents me from going with somebody like Burrow or somebody like Cam. Um, I think in the college football world, we celebrate people like Tebow, like Peyton even like Werfel as well, like Tua, for their ability to be talked about through an entire eight-month offseason mm-hmm. and to come back and to dominate. And mm-hmm. that is something that is really, really tough to do, to surpass our expectations, to get to the level where we are saying we are elevating that even more. And all of those guys having had to do that made them all-time greats, in my opinion. And... As unbelievable as Joe Burrow was, and is the best single season in college football history. I don't yes, care who who is who's your you know your argument for anybody other than Joe Burrow. Not having to deal with that in the offseason. not having to deal with like coming back and having an entire offseason where team plan teams are game planning for you in a different way. You're at the top of every single scouting report, no matter what. Yeah. Teams are a little bit more on their heels during that 2019 season, trying to figure out what in the world is going on with with Joe Brady. And I come back to this. That's a really good point. If I have my life on the line, if I have my life on the line, and it's fourth and three, oh. and I'm saying I can pick any quarterback to save my life, they don't get this, I die. They get it, I survive. I'm going with Tebow. And Okay, so, okay. I, I'm going with Tebow. A, a, just a hair. Just a hair over Burrow in that spot because... Throughout his entire career, how many clutch situations was that guy in? Where even as a true freshman, where we're doing the adjustment more, 
And they're not winning that game against South Carolina if Tim Tebow's not getting out there and running over people and getting to the end zone because Chris Lee couldn't make those plays and Tebow right. could as a true freshman. His career, what he did in a four-year stretch, and it's not just the accumulation of stats, it's what he did every single year to make us think, wow, this is special. Freshman year becomes the best role player in America for a team that wins the national championship, who in my opinion could not won had that national championship without him. Sophomore year becomes the first sophomore to ever win the Heisman Trophy because, oh, by the way, 32 passing touchdowns, 23 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I know yeah. that the team's success was not there that year, but you know where it was? It was the following year when he won another national championship as a junior, of course, and he has this, this stretch after the promise. He had a loss that year, right? Has the Ole Miss loss, fuels the promise. Oh. That run, that post-September run, was unlike anything we've seen before, probably with maybe the exception of Burrow where you could pick out a stretch a stretch for two months of the regular season and into the postseason where he could not be denied. And you saw a guy who put his team on his back, and if it was running, if it was throwing, whatever he was going to do, he was going to be able to do it. And senior year, obviously, he puts his name into the SEC record books, and his only loss that year was to that Bama team that won a national championship. And obviously, you know, had a very, very good, solid senior season. Should have been yeah. a three-time SEC Player of the Year, in my opinion. I understand the Darren McFadden arguments for 2007. It's weird to have a guy win the Heisman Trophy and not win SEC Player of the Year. That's yeah. just me. I still am saying to myself, if I can go back and say, all right, I, I know how all these guys' careers are going to turn out, and I could pick any one of them to start over with, and, and I just get to watch their career play out, I'm picking Tebow for that, and yeah, maybe that makes me a little bit basic because we've seen so many guys. Such a homer. <laughs> I like Tebow. Then yeah. I liked him for more than just the aura, the personality, and the way that he excited fans. But I, I, I think that his career and what he what he did with the talent around him, the individual accomplishments, uh, the yeah. stuff that goes beyond that, you just you can't say enough for. Even though. Many people have tried. Yeah, you can. Many They've people been doing have tried. It for years. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't have a problem if you want to put Burrow one. I really don't. No, I mean, it, it, Tebow, I think, is the over... Like, I came to the result of Burrow. This is really ironic, and I, I don't understand if you just, like, were, like... I hacked my computer. I did. My notes. Yep. The reason why I had Burrow, I'm not making this up, is because I thought of the same thing. Like, if, if it's fourth and, and goal, and I got to have one guy get me a touchdown... And two is hurt, obviously. So I got to pick someone else. I was, I, it was between Burrow and Tebow, and I went with Burrow. And one of the reasons I went with Burrow is because the, the, the promise that you brought up and the whole you, – you said fourth and three. Do you know how they lost to Ole Miss? Was it fourth and – stops on fourth and one. Fourth <laughs> so and it was one. Like, <laughs> but, this, but the life wasn't on the line yet. They still had a chance to win the national yeah. championship, and therefore he's good. And, and he he really did reel off like after that that season in two thousand eight he was six and zero against ranked teams and four and zero against top ten teams and and the, the most impressive part was he just didn't turn the ball over no like he his didn't. passing numbers weren't like ever crazy but he just didn't turn the ball over and like you look at his his numbers all three seasons they have a, let me flip this notebook he had fifty seven total touchdowns to six interceptions two thousand seven forty two touchdown total touchdowns to four interceptions two thousand eight. It's kind it's of surprising he wasn't like in more contention for the 2008 Heisman, and then in his senior year he had 35 touchdowns and only five interceptions. We we always talk about the knock on him is that he's not that great of a passer. Like, you know, it just mechanics are awful. Blah, blah blah. He never threw more than six interceptions. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, that's I mean 
it's it's crazy and, and i think you know if it, maybe i'll wake up tomorrow in a different mood and i, would, I could possibly have to because it's hard to argue against the the career numbers he had and the impact he had in the game just circumcising babies on spring break and stuff like that people don't do that Casual. joe burrow's not doing that regardless not yet. this season that joe burrow had and maybe i'm i'm guilty of the recency bias here i just saw him over and over and over again and if, if there's any two people on this list that you could like cancel out the whole argument like well they had you know they only were that good because they had so much talent around them both of these teams had incredible amounts of talent oh yeah I just I just saw Burrow do it over and over and over again and get the job done. Watching him play in person three times this year was it was special. And even in the game against Auburn, where it was it was a struggle to to get the passing offense going against Kevin Steele's defense, and they really did a lot of things to be able to to make them frustrated. But it does kind of change how you think of a player. And yeah, watching Burrow look. Burrow is still, and I don't know a time when I'll ever not say this, it's the closest thing to a video game that we will ever see. Yeah. And I, I think that that stays with people, and it's tough to see anybody playing the position better than Joe Burrow did in 2019. It's it's different, too, to think of, like, we talked about this on that, the Heisman debate with, with McFadden and, and Tebow, and this isn't a knock on Tebow, but, like, for me personally, watching Joe Burrow pick apart the best defenses and the and the best I mean again, he played 12 ranked teams in the top 10 in just two short years of being a starter. And like to watch him just absolutely pick those defenses apart, especially this year, that is more impressive to me than watching like all right, Tebow around left end for a 3-yard yeah. touchdown and you just like bowled over somebody. Um it, you know, it doesn't take away like the the career accomplishment but Burrow, I mean, this past season was just, I've never seen, you know what? I've never seen anything like it. There we go. Do you think when they were doing podcasts 50 years ago, they're like, man, I've never seen anything like this Joe Namath cat. Can you believe that he had double-digit touchdown passes this season? <gasps> we hooked up my old ham radio here to get the ball, Gabe. And I quite doubt over there, guys. Quite doubt. Somebody's got some peanuts over there, that old Coca-Cola can. Jesus. <laughs> Let's, you know what? Like, can we do a debate for the worst quarterbacks of all time? Ooh. Um, let's see. Uh, Wayne up, Madkin. Pulling up Arkansas's depth chart from the last three oh, seasons. Oh, rude. The biggest win for me in this whole thing, I cannot believe we agreed on all that. Because we don't I mean we don't like compare the notes beforehand, but the biggest win for me on this was when you first brought it up and I texted you back, yeah, probably want to include Wayne Madkin. I was like, just like a throwaway quarterback no. from Mississippi State. <laughs> You're like, that guy had like 13 total touchdowns? like... Exactly. Oh, exactly. Because okay. when you first say that and you first throw out a name, you're like, well, I guess well, I got to consider this guy. Maybe he was, if, if, if this player was at, you know, was running this program when they had their best season ever, oh, maybe I should include should've this guy. Should have kept it going. No. Uh, yeah, and real quick before we get in trouble, the, the shout out to some of the, t- the players that weren't mentioned, but like obviously had incredible, incredible careers. Tim Couch. Tim Couch was completed almost 70% of his passes. First one probably off of this list. Like, easily could have made it on. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put Lorenzo up there, but he did have an incredible career, just, like, from sheer numbers. Uh, Dak Prescott, man. Yep. You look at, it's, it's, you know, if you guys want to have fun, or I don't know if you think this is fun, but I do, go to sportsreference.com. There's, like, a hyphen in between sports reference. Forget all my stats from. Same. And so, if you can go to, like, just, you can actually Google SEC career passing leaders and it'll take you through this like drop down menu of any stat you want like for a career or single season it's amazing to see 
how many guys and how many names. Bo Wallace finished in the top 10 in all-time completion percentage rankings uh, in the SEC. Bo Wallace from Ole Miss. I don't know if that was like completion to the other team or not, but anyway, it was, it was really interesting. This was fun. Completion is a completion, I always say. So definitely got to count that. Um, I don't know what we're going to do uh, for the next one. Maybe something that doesn't get me um, to use the bleep button. Hopefully not. No, let's, let's keep that train rolling. Um, we have a very special interview that we need to record in like, what, 40 minutes? That's coming up. Yeah, I got it right. It's coming up in Casual Friday. It's going to be great. Everybody's going to enjoy it. Hopefully, this person doesn't cancel last minute. That would be a real shame. And then we, if they cancel last minute, we're just going to have to drag them. The entire podcast. No, it, it honestly kind of deserved if we did that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's happened before. Maybe it could happen. Again. Hopefully. But I like this new attitude. <laughs> Same Connor. Same Connor. All right. Hopefully nobody's gonna get uh, too mad about this and be dismissing an entire situation. They're not gonna like it. Peyton's great. Peyton's unbelievable. Love Peyton. Love Peyton. He's not as good as any of the Clausens. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> it just meant more. Talk to you guys soon.